Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks. And take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Sack City, welcome into another edition of the Sack City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukesia Mukes. It is a beautiful September 16th morning here in the city. Episode 83 is about to kick off. We had Thursday night action last night between the Chiefs and the Chargers that we are going to be diving into, as well as uh, previewing the rest of the Week 2 football slate featuring all of those NFC home team games. Aaron, how goes this beautiful morning? It's good. Another night, good night of football, a pretty good game. Um, I don't think it went the way people thought it was going to go early, but um, it was a good game. And uh, yeah, excited for the weekend, week two. It seems like the weeks go faster and faster during football season. We all know this. So um, enjoy it because next thing you know, you're going to wake up. It's going to be week eight, then week 12, then week 15. And then we're all going to be sad that football season's ending. So And then it's um, gone. Yeah, and then it's gone, and then we just do off-season stuff, which we're the best at, by the way. So you got to make sure you want to stay tuned to the Sac City Podcast during the off-season as well, because we bring you, you know, all the great content. So. Oh yeah, there's nowhere there, there's nowhere better uh, to be than than right here in the city. Let's actually get right into that week that week two Thursday night football matchup between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs took down the Chargers 27-24 after some late game heroics by Justin Herbert and some really some gutsy plays by Justin Herbert to try and push for a, a chance for victory for the Chargers. It just falls short 27, 24, uh, an update from this game, at least on the injury side. I know I put it in the injury report. We'll talk about it. Uh, Justin Herbert specifically hurt his ribs in this game. And uh, one of the plays that jumps out to me, and I know we'll talk about the chiefs, talk about everything here. Um, but that third and three, I think it was third and three, third and four play from Justin Herbert, where he's got the ball. He could have easily ran it for a first down and he doesn't. He throws it away, doesn't get the first down. And then the next play and he's holding his ribs clearly hurt. And the next play, he puts his balls in a wheelbarrow and launches a an absolute there throws an absolute dart uh, to DeAndre Carter uh, to set them up for that touchdown to make it 27, 24. Um, 
gutsy performance by Justin Herbert, but the Chargers do fall short to the Chiefs because, well, hey, that guy Patrick Mahomes is still pretty good at football. The Chargers led this game 17-7 to at one point, and uh, Patrick Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does and brought his team back and, and got the Chiefs to victory. So, Aaron, what are your early take or what are your takeaways from this from that game last night? Yeah, I think I think what I've been saying all along is like you have to be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are still the class of the AFC, despite not making it to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, four straight AFC title games. They find ways to win games. And you can talk about, you know, the Chargers and the missed opportunities they had. But for the most part of that game, if you watch that game, there was no business the Kansas City had being in that game. It shouldn't even have been close in the first half. The Chargers dominated. They marched up and down the field. But when it came to third downs, when it came to stopping them in the red zone, when it came to, to making the plays when it mattered, Kansas City was right there. A defense that we talk about all the time is not the best defense. They've never been the, the most dominant defense. But when it matters, they step up. And we saw that again yesterday in key moments. The, the third down efficiency for both teams really wasn't that good. I thought defensively both teams played well uh, on third down especially. But holding the Chargers to 5 of 16 on third down was huge. Um, holding them to field goals. And then obviously we had the turnovers um, in the red zone. That is that is what the championship defenses do. It's not always about, oh, can you hold your team under the 300 yards or can you hold a team under, you know, this many points? It, when do you make those plays? And those plays have to be made in key moments. And a couple of times, both offensively and defensively, Kansas City did that. Whether it was an opportunity given to them by a dropped interception and what does Mahomes do? Comes back, throws a touchdown to Justin Watson. Now it's a whole brand new ball game. Or is it the pick six by Jalen uh, Watson? Um, when the Chargers are trying to answer back after just marching the ball right back down the field, and then you come up with the pick six. Um, it's just those type of plays that remind us why Kansas City is the class of the AFC, why Kansas City's been to that many straight championship games, and why they are or they should still be considered the favorite in the AFC. And I'm sorry, Charger fans. I'm not here to bash the Chargers. I think they played well. I think they're moving in the right direction from last year as far as being a more complete team, I thought I was impressed with the defense uh, two weeks in a row now, um, except for maybe on the ground at the end when you can stop Clyde Edwards and you give up the big run. Those are the type of plays that have plagued the Chargers for years, and you can't have those creep up. But I was excited for the Chargers. Um, it's, this is not really about them. This is about paying the respects to Kansas City. And this is why I refused to let all the people in the world say that this was the Chargers division. You have to beat Kansas City. And Kansas City yep. still, to me, is the class of this division, and they proved it again last night. Yeah, no matter how good you make your defense in the offseason, we obviously saw uh, they brought in Khalil Mack. J.C. Jackson actually played in this game. He he was active and, and playing in this game. Brought in all the pieces to make that defense better in Los Angeles, but at the end of the day, it just still isn't enough because Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense will find a way uh, to win those games. And I, I do want to say something that I said yesterday that um, – Justin Herbert, I, I said that I think that Patrick Mahomes makes his weapons look just a little bit more better than what Justin Herbert can make his weapons. Obviously, no Keenan Allen in this game, but I thought Justin Herbert did an incredible job with his wide receivers last night, uh, including the rare, the the once in, once every two weeks, once every three or four weeks, Mike Williams siding eight for 113 in a touchdown. Uh, he got DeAndre Carter involved for, for a few plays and um, Gerald Everett 
we had a Gerald Everett sighting for a little bit, six for 71. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. It's not so much of a Chargers bashing. It's more of paying respects to the Kansas City Chiefs. But if you're the Chargers, you have to look back at, at those missed opportunities, the third down efficiency, the that red zone play where he throws the interception for the pick six. I mean, that – that was the game change. That was the game changer right there. And um, you brought up one player, and uh, it's it's my player of the game here. It's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think that, and I know maybe there's other guys that had even better performances, or you'd bring up and say maybe they had a, they they were they deserved the player of the game more. But we've talked about it for for so long now that if the Chiefs want to win another Super Bowl, they're going to have to have efficiency in the rushing game, not necessarily all the carries and, and, and that kind of stuff, not, not necessarily 20, 25 carries a game for Clyde, but efficiency, effectiveness. That's what Clyde Edwards Lair and really the whole, the whole running back group for the Kansas city chiefs had uh, last night, but specifically Clyde, you mentioned the, the breakout of that one, that one play where he broke out for that 50 plus yard rush. Um, but he finishes the day with great numbers. That's how you win. That's how you're going to win the Super Bowl if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Not necessarily all the carries in the world, but effectiveness to the where the defense is going to have to factor in uh, and consider the rushing attack and then let Patrick Mahomes light him up. And um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is my player of the game. Aaron, what's the top play of the game? Yeah, I think the top play of the game was easy in this one. We could have said the Patrick Mahomes touchdown, but I think it's this play here. I think this is a momentum changer. Obviously, it gives Kansas City the lead. And then a pick six, anytime you can score on defense, it's going to be uh, something special. It's going to put your give you all the momentum. And I think this put the dagger really into the Chargers. Um, it's Jalen Watson's 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. And if you're, I mean, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you see a play like this, or you you run into a situation where this play happens, uh you know everything's going in your in your favor. We talk about the momentum, but the Kansas City Chiefs did not play well in this game. And to be honest, I don't know that they should have won this game. But when you get plays like this, these are opportunity, opportunistic defenses that can make plays. Um, you're going to have success. Jalen Watson's interception is the, the top play of the game. But let's be honest, it's got to be a little disheartening for the Chargers to play as well as they did, to, to look at Patrick Mahomes and see, oh, he only had 235 yards. And you hold Travis Kelsey to five for 50. And they don't really have a number one receiver that stands out. And their highest rushing back score, you know, 88 carries, 74 yards, which is efficient, but it's only 74 yards. Um, nobody had more than 50 yards receiving on Kansas City. And they still won the game. Like, yep. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense could play any worse than they really did. Like, that's a bad game for the Kansas City Chiefs offensively. And at the end of the game, you look at the box score, they have almost 30 points, and they come away with the win. So that is a scary, scary thing for most teams uh, when it comes to what the Kansas City Chiefs are capable of and what Patrick Mahomes is capable of. Uh, I'd be a little concerned if I'm those other AFC teams. Yeah, and that's what that's what separates the Chiefs over everybody else. They find ways to win, and they find ways to we they find ways to win against good, very very good teams like the Los Angeles Chargers. So once again, the Kansas City Chiefs take down the Chargers, 27-24. Let's go on to our injury report. Sorry. 
you love that, that intro. My, it's so great. Yeah, that might be my favorite <laughs> intro that we've had in a long, long time. I'm serious. That is just that is just classic right there. Um, all right, let's get into this injury report. As you mentioned, Justin Herbert uh, took a big hit, actually a couple of big hits there towards the end of that game. Uh, we'll have tests today on his ribs, but head coach Brandon said he says his quarterback is okay. I don't know if I buy that. He was hurting. It might be some bruised ribs, maybe cracked one of them. Who knows? Um, okay, maybe in the long term, yes. But uh, I do have some concerns about if you're sore the day of when you got all that adrenaline pumping, he's feeling it today. Like, oh, yeah, that body is feeling it today. And um, the good thing is he has a couple extra days to get ready for next week uh, because they played on a Thursday night, which is nice. Um, but obviously, you have to be concerned. That's your franchise quarterback. You never want to see Justin Herbert taking shots like that. Uh, but some other injury news out of the Chargers locker room. Corey Lindsley left Thursday night football with a knee injury and did not return. That's huge for them. Um, as you can see, the Chiefs started to get pressure late. Chris Jones was wrecking, uh, um, wreaking havoc and, and just some off the edge. Some of the DB blitzes was really getting to the Chargers. So you got to be worried about that kind of stuff. Um, the injury from Monday night football, Jamal Adams. Uh, will have season-ending surgery to repair torn quad tendon. Uh, tough, unfortunate news for him. Uh, wide receiver Mike Evans missed practice on Thursday with a calf injury, as did many of the other Tampa Bay wide receivers, Julio Jones, Russell Gage. So they got a little, they're a little bit banged up in their wide receiver room. Um, already with Godwin out, you have to kind of worry about those uh, those things there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Alvin Kamara missed Saints practice with a rib injury. Does that explain why he only got nine, 10 carries? I don't know, but they need to figure that out. Um, there's got to be a little bit of concern there for the Saints running game. George Kittle, DeAndre Swift missed their second straight day of practice. DeAndre Swift said he intends to play. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming it's just, you know, some banged up, obviously ankle injury. Maybe it's a slight tweak or something like that. Uh, George Kittle, we're not sure about yet at this point. Um, hopefully he can get back on the field soon, though. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, finally on track to play. Um full participant in practice for the second day in a row. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the Baltimore Ravens offense. Cause that week one running game was not it. Uh, once again, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the, the running back for the Ravens. I've heard Mike Davis is not it. Uh, he's disappointed now two years in a row when he's been given an opportunity to get some playing time. Yeah. And then Mac Jones. Well, they running Kenyon Drake. It was Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake. That's the running back that they have. No, I'm telling you, Mike Davis is the disappointment. He oh, okay. was supposed to be the guy that really filled in, and he got yeah, two carries, and he yeah, sucks. Yeah. Um, don't interrupt my injury report. Mac Jones uh, missed practice, this time with a tummy ache. Now, first he's got a back ache, and now he's got a tummy ache. I think he just has a football ache. I think the man's scared now. I don't know if he wants to play football anymore after realizing he has no weapons and uh, maybe he's not what everybody wants him to be. So Mac Jones, but they do expect him to play this week. Um, but if he can't, you know, there's always that backup guy. They can go skip Hoyer and go straight to Bailey Zappy. Hey, the Zapster, man. Bailey, bring in. We want Zappy. Hey, bring we in want Zappy. Zappy. Let hey, Zappy that's... cook. Let Zappy cook. Yeah, I thought I, I every if there's ever a Mac Jones injury report, if he ever pops up on the injury report, he will always finish off uh, fin finish off our conversation. And especially when it's as funny as he had a tummy ache, uh, yeah. really the, the medical terms, everything he had. A, he had a stomach illness and that's what kept him out of practice uh, on Thursday. But the whole tum tum for Mac Jones, a little bit uh, a little bit woozy. Uh, maybe Bill Belichick is. Starting to realize, you know, Mac Jones might not be it. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but that does it for our injury report. After this commercial break, we are going to be getting wait, into. Wait, wait. 
Can I address something really quick? Sure. Because we, 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 we still are the most interactive uh, sports show. That is correct. I'm going to answer the question, Bailey. I know we don't always answer Bailey because he'd be asking a million questions and we don't have time to answer all a million questions, but I will give him the, the pleasure today. Um, when he brings up this Gerald Everett play in the Kansas City game, um, what do I think about it? And then he says, I think if they pull Everett, the interception doesn't happen. And then that was bad call by Staley. Um, three, a lot of moving parts there, first of all. Uh, number one, that's not on Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley's job is not to watch who's tired on the field. Sorry, he's the head coach. His job is not – We have they have position coaches for that. They have personnel for that. And, and then secondly, that's just as much on Justin Herbert for not recognizing that and still going to, Ju- to Gerald Everett as it is on Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley does not have the time as a head coach to be looking at all 11 players and saying, oh, this guy looks tired or this guy's calling – calling out or this guy's doing that um it's not up to brandon staley to make that decision that's a position coach responsibility that maybe people don't know i wouldn't expect them to know if they've never coached football but that's a position coach's responsibility and that's also still on justin herbert if your guy's tired and you recognize that why are you then throwing him the ball uh, yes gerald everett was the main cause for that interception Justin Herbert ran one thing. Gerald Everett was tired and floated on the outside. The ball went to the inside. Those things happen, but that is not on Brandon Staley. So we cannot attribute this to a Brandon Staley mistake. That is a position coach responsibility or a Justin Herbert responsibility to make sure, or even a Gerald Everett responsibility to make sure he either gets off the field or you're not going to him with the football. Um, So we cannot put that on Brandon Staley. That is not, that is not the way that works. No argument for me here. No argument for me here. Um, the man's got to. The man's got to call the play. The man's got to worry about the quarterback. Got to worry about the formation. Got to worry about the other play. He doesn't have time to look. Let me check all eleven really quick. Make sure they're not tired. Hold on. Hold on. Oh wait, what's the clock at? Do I got to kick a field goal? Do I got to call a timeout? Oh wait, what, what's that in my ear with the offensive coordinator yelling at? Like this is not. This is the NFL, man. They have a hundred coaches on that sideline for each position group. As a matter of fact, head coaches don't even make the substitutions. That's how little responsibility they actually hey, i need a tight end get your ass in there and um yeah so brendan staley's not taking the blame for that one no argument no arguments here this season preview is brought to you by manscapes brand new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner this luxurious lather cleanses and nourishes in just one step using coconut water green tea and aloe This non-greasy daily formula is naturally hydrating and rich in antioxidants to revitalize the look and feel of your hair. So head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code SACCITY for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The new ultra-premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. Take care of hair everywhere. It might be the last time we roll that commercial. I might just start playing the injury report at the end of that so we can hear that song again. Um... But that does it for our Thursday night recap. That does it for our injury report. It is now time to finish off these week two matchups. We're starting right here with the Washington Commanders traveling to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. Lions are one and a half point favorites with an over under a 48 and a half in this game. This is this is actually the first time that the Lions have been favorites since 2020. It's the longest active. It's the longest streak in the NFL of not being favored in a game. But here we are. The Lions are favored over the Washington Commanders by one and a half points. This will be the third meeting between Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, the number one 
and number two picks of the 2016 NFL draft. These two have had uh, some battles in the past, uh, some ugly battles, but it was both when uh, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were on the uh, Eagles and the Rams. That's yeah, those are the teams that they were on um, the Eagles and the Rams. And we all know that the Rams had well a better team and um, Goff has been the better quarterback, but as of right now, Wentz is playing a, a little bit better. Washington looking for their first two and zero start since 2011. Aaron, what are you looking forward in this game? What are you looking forward to in this game? Well, I was, I was going to go somewhere, and then you say Carson Wentz is playing better, and I'm like, okay, he's not, but okay, um, but listen, better I'm, than Jared Goff. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like better in his for his. No, I was say, no, like no, Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz sucks either way. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jared, Jared, better than Jared Goff is absolutely true. Jared Goff hasn't been playing that well. Um, what I'm really looking forward to this game is I expect another high scoring game. And this is going to be the trend with the Detroit Lions. First of all, shout out Dan Campbell for getting them to be favored because, again, first time favored in two years. That's a that's a huge thing in the NFL. Like when you're not favored at all it means you're the worst team in football. Every team is supposed to be better than you. And now they're, they're favored in this game, even at home. So it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, I expect another high scoring game because Detroit's defense is not very good. Uh, they gave up nearly 500 yards of offense last week to Philadelphia, but they also put up 400 of their own, and specifically the run game. I think this is where the that the that Detroit Lions can take advantage of the Washington Commanders in getting DeAndre Swift, especially DeAndre Swift, and then Jamal Jamal Williams the ball. Last week, 170 plus total yards for Swift. Uh, this guy is dynamic, and I've said this for the last two years. I think he's arguably one of the most versatile running backs in the NFL. He's right up there with the Christian McCaffrey, with the Saquon Barkley. In when you get him the football, um, I think if you get him the football 20 plus times, you're talking about a guy that's going for 200 yards damn near every week. Like that's, and, and that's a passing game, running game. That's just total combined yards. Easily could be one of the leaders in total yards from scrimmage when we talk about um, running backs at the end of the season. So I think it's important to get him and Jamal Williams the ball in this game. That's what Detroit wants to do. They want to be physical up front. They want to establish the run. And then they want to get the play action and, and passing to Amon Ross St. Brown. And fun fact, yeah, um, Ross St. Brown is the only player in NFL history, I believe now, that has eight receptions in like eight or nine straight games, just like eight, eight consecutively eight or nine straight games. Um, I'm not a huge Ross St. Brown fan. We all know this uh, fantasy, and I think he's a little bit overrated. And I think it's a volume thing, but they throw him the ball and they are they're trying to get him involved. So. Uh, I like what they're doing offensively. I think they're a dynamic offense. And if they only could play some defense, I think they'd be tough to beat. Um, Washington's going to have their hands full again in this one. And this is going to prove whether Washington's really going to contend in that NFC East or not, because you got to beat these teams. You pull that one out against Jacksonville. You have to be able to go and beat Detroit. Um, and we'll see if they can do that on, on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, they go out and they get Carson Wentz. We talked about that move in the off season about how, that's a move that says, okay, you think you you do think you are just maybe a quarterback away from really being a contender. This is the type of game that if you really think that that you're going to have to be able to to get the job done. Uh, that note that you're talking about with Amonra St. Brown, he is second uh, all time uh, in most consecutive games with eight plus receptions. He is behind Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown, who have eight. If they if he gets it in this game, he will tie the record. Um, for that um, prediction time commanders lions give me give me the lions here uh 24 21 lions 
I think I'm taking the Commanders. Um, Gross. I think I think the defense of the Lions is a problem. I think Carson Wentz could have a good day against them. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but I, I think Antonio <laughs> Gibson. I think Antonio Gibson will play well. Uh, I'm gonna. I think Washington's defense is just a little bit better. So I'm, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Washington in this one, and I will take Washington twenty seven twenty four. 27-24. Okay. AJ has the Lions 24-17. We're going to move on to our next game, and that game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1-0, traveling to New Orleans, take on the 1-0 Saints. Uh, this is a game that I think this a lot of people have this game highlighted on their week two slate because of the battles between, oh, you have decisions to make. Decisions to make. You go Jameis Winston in them dubs, or you go Tom Brady, old chub chub Tom Brady at the scout. Again, the dubs. That's what you should what you should do is whoever you have winning this game at the end, you should just change it to that. Like that that that'd be I digress is your thing. You do you boo. Um Saints. <laughs> Bucks though Tom Brady 0 and 4 in his previous meetings uh, with the New Orleans Saints since joining the team uh, in 2020. It has not been a favorable matchup when you look at Tom Brady against the Tampa Bay or against the New Orleans Saints since he has been a Buccaneer. Uh, also to note uh, one thing that there's some things that the Saints have been doing that really has been rattling Tom Brady. They've been pressuring Brady on 32 percent of his dropbacks. Four of 18 on deep balls is 20 plus yards. They've been really getting to Brady. And I think that's been a big thing uh, to show why these stats have been so poor and why they've been the poorest of his career against really any team. Um, but in this game, what are you looking out for, at least from from Tom Brady? said, do you think that it matters that he's 0-4 against the Saints since becoming a Buccaneer? It absolutely matters. Uh, matchups are key in the NFL, man. And when you match up well against a team – um, we've seen this with the Colts and Jaguars, right? With the, with the road problems or Miami and new England, the, the saints and Tampa Bay have a matchup problem. Part of that matchup problem is on the outside. When you got Marshawn Lattimore going up against Mike Evans and Lattimore has. Oh, for the most part owned Mike Evans throughout his career. Mike Evans, we all know is a great receiver, but Marshawn Lattimore has won that matchup more times than not. And that eliminates a big outside threat for Tampa Bay. And now you talk about the injuries to Julio Jones, no Chris Godwin, Gronk's not there anymore. Russell Gage is banged up. They're going to have a problem moving the football against the good Saints defense. And I get it. The Saints defense did not play well against Atlanta, but they are at home. It's the home opener. And this is going to be a different ball game. Oh, and four absolutely matters in those four matchups. Tom Brady has thrown eight interceptions, eight interceptions in four matches for Tom Brady is unheard of. And that's why in this game, I'm dropping my pop lock prop bet, lock it in, win some money. Tom Brady's interception total is at negative um, 0.5 or so basically a half an interception. Does he throw one or not? Take the over, take, he's throwing a pick, go win you some money. Uh, go put. down somebody absolute certainty it's like it's like how long it takes me on the toilet eight minutes right it's a certainty the, it's going to be eight minutes on the dot it takes me eight minutes it's going to it's going to be an interception for tom brady at least once so go win you some money that's my that's my lock prop out of the week um there is going to be a turnover in this game by tom brady and the saints are going to give the tampa bay buccaneers fits i believe it i believe in this the Saints having Tampa Bay's number, it's in the dome. I don't know why Tampa's favored, but 
Uh, I, I think this maybe it's the way the Saints played in week one, but I think this is a very, very good situation for the New Orleans Saints. I agree. I agree. But one thing the Saints have to kind of focus on is fixing their mistakes from last week against the Atlanta Falcons, a team that we still have at 32 on our list. They struggled out the gate against the Atlanta Falcons as a whole, though. What do the Saints needed to fix from that game specifically? Well, yeah, they need to run the ball. They need to give the ball to Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is the best player on the New Orleans Saints. And nine carries is not going to get it done. I'm okay with the three receptions. I'm okay with them wanting to push the ball down the field and get Olave and Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas involved. That's absolutely fine. You need to establish the run. And despite how good Tampa Bay's run defense is, they were actually getting gashed by Ezekiel Elliott in that first half, and Dallas Cowboys just didn't run the ball. So if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I come out, I run the football, I establish what I want to do, and then I let Jameis Winston play action and go deep down the field to his weapons. It all starts with Alvin Kamara. The Saints' success this year will be on the back of Alvin Kamara. Uh, It's just, it's always been that way, even with Drew Brees. It's always been Alvin Kamara. And so if they get away from that, uh, they're going to have, they're going to have some concerns there, but I think they, I think they recognize that. I I hope they recognize that. And Pete Carmichael and those guys uh, start to change what they're doing uh, offensively. Yeah. Yeah. Alvin Kamara is key, especially for my fantasy teams uh, that have him Um, just to let you know. Would like to see a little bit more Alvin Kamara, less Taysom Hill if that's possible. But I think Taysom Hill is going to be a factor as well all season long. He's going to be a thorn in the side of fantasy owners for Alvin Kamara. But a very good uh, – I don't think yes. like th- – never mind. Just disregard what I said. I think Taysom Hill is is a factor in, in games now with the Saints. But I will – that's – He's that's always fine. been a factor. I, I, Nothing I has changed. Jason Hill's not different this year than he was last year. The only Fair. difference is he's not a quarterback anymore. He's yeah, only now, gotten three or four carries. The only thing that happened. In week one. I'm sure it broke up. There. Yeah, no, didn't hear it. Did that one? That one. The only no... difference for Taysom Hill in week one was he had that long touch of uh, the long run. Okay. But the touchdown run at the goal line is what he's been doing for the past three seasons. Nothing is different with Taysom Hill. All the people that are jumping on the Taysom Hill train this year is not any different than it was any other year. So stop it. It's fair. Hey, no, I, I, I agree. I, I can agree with that. Uh, predictions for this game. This could be the first time the Saints start 2-0 since 2013. I am taking the Saints in this one. I will go with 24 to uh, 27, 24. Saints. I have 26, 23 Saints. I think uh, Brady throws a late pick in this one. Uh, Saints win. The, and that late pick would lock down your prop lock that you. Uh, oh, he would have already probably thrown one in the game, but yeah. I oh, okay. So you're saying maybe multiple picks for Tom Brady in this game. Uh, AJ, AJ went the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning this game 27 uh, to 23. The next game on our list is the 0-1 Carolina Panthers traveling to New York to take on the New York football Giants at 1-0. and The Giants coming off of that big upset win over the Tennessee Titans last week. Now they are favored against the Carolina Panthers two points with an over-under of 43-and-a-half. Uh, Aaron, this is uh, a battle between two quarterbacks who have the most turnovers since 2019 or two, two of the quarterbacks in the top three, I should say uh, Jared Goff actually leads the league in turnovers since 2019. Uh, but Baker's right behind him. And then Daniel Jones, these two quarterbacks 
turnover machines. Uh, which quarterback do you have your eyes on most in this game? Um, I think it's got to be Baker Mayfield because I think we know what Daniel Jones is after last week. He's a turnover machine. He's not the future. And the giant success is predicated on the, the back of Saquon Barkley. So I'm looking at Baker Mayfield because I think people still believe a little bit of Baker Mayfield. Number one overall pick. Obviously, Carolina traded for him when they had Sam Darnold. Uh, so I think people expect more from Baker Mayfield, and I think he has to live up to those expectations. There, there are always moments with Baker Mayfield where you say, that's the number one pick. That's the guy. And then there's those other moments you're like, man, we took him number one? Like, And I think that's what he's got to get rid of. The consistency is just not there. Um, he, he tries to win every play. And in the NFL, you don't win every play. Like Patrick Mahomes and them try to win every play too, but they have the talent to and the, the mind to understand when to throw the ball away, when to give up, when to go to the next play. Baker Mayfield doesn't. Baker Mayfield will try to win every play, and then he's stubborn about, well, when I'm not winning, I'm just going to keep going and figure something out, and then I end up throwing an interception. Carson Wentz does the same thing. Uh, he's got to get rid of those negative plays, and that's the problem with him is you can have three positives, but in the NFL, that one negative will automatically outweigh those three positives, and you can't have that those turnovers in an opportune times uh, so I think it's more about Baker Mayfield in this one and what he's able to do against a pretty solid Giants defense who should be getting Kayvon Thibodeau back, um, the, the rookie from Oregon. And and they looked good against Tennessee. Now, I know it was Tennessee's offense, but Carolina, if they don't run Christian McCaffrey, that's pretty much Tennessee's offense. So um, I, I, th I think looking, I'm looking at Baker and I'm saying, Baker, you have to do better. You have to do better getting Christian McCaffrey's ball. You have to do better in checking maybe to runs more because 10 carries, again, how is – Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, arguably three of the running backs we talk about as being top running backs in the NFL at times, only getting 30 carries combined between the three of them. Back play, and they're forgetting about the best players on their teams. And Christian McCaffrey has to touch the ball more. Has to touch the ball more. He saved the game. Like, even though they lost last week, he saved the game. He picked up some random fumble and just <laughs> ran it and 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 got him in the in the scoring position. Like he saved the chance for them to win last week. I don't get how you can watch them play football and not say, Yeah, we need to get that guy the ball. I, I don't know how you could do that as a head coach. Yeah. It boggles my mind. These guys are talented and make all kinds of money to coach. And you cannot watch the Panthers and say, uh, oh, maybe we shouldn't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Like it just doesn't make sense. No, no. What does make sense is the return of Saquon Barkley. Uh, Aaron, is he is he back officially? Are we, are we... I've been telling you he's back. I've been telling you all offseason that this man is still arguably the most talented running back in the NFL. Um, he's that good. The problem has been he's been banged up, but he's on a shitty team with a decent offensive line. Now, I will give the offensive line a little bit more credit. They are better. Uh, when you add Evan Neal and some of the pieces that they've added, Mark Lewinsky, um, those guys have brought over a little bit more continuity on the offensive line. But the quarterback play is bad, so you know they're only looking at Saquon. The receiver play hasn't been great. Their defense is, is decent. It's been about Saquon, and when he's healthy, this is the kind of production he can give you. Um, I'm super excited about him. The one thing you worry about is his body just being worn down by having to touch the ball so much in order for them to win. But I'll take it when I can get it. And uh, he, he definitely looks like he's back to his his old self. Yeah. Yeah. Saquon 
is back. Give the ball to CMC more as well. Uh, predictions for I this remember, game. I remember, I remember a time when we when there was a debate who was a better running back, Saquon Barkley or Aaron Jones. That was a Dylan and I debate. Remember that? And I, I laughed I at Dylan. And like, yeah. I love Aaron Jones. Don't get me wrong. I, I think if they freed him, he'd be great too. But when you watch Saquon play in the game like he played last week, you can't tell me otherwise. There's not many guys more talented than him in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. His 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 plays that he uh, the plays that he makes. He's just so explosive. He is a game breaker and a game changer more than just about any other running back uh, in this league. Prediction time for this game. AJ has the Carolina Panthers twenty four to twenty. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm taking the Giants. Um, I don't know why I trust the Giants more. I, I, I can't even answer. I don't know. I don't know. I think Carolina's a better football team, but I worry about Baker's turnovers at the wrong time. And I do trust Saquon and the Cleveland Browns were able to run all over the Carolina defense. And I think I could see another big day here for Saquon Barkley. So I'm going to take the Giants here. 21-17. I will also go with the Giants here. I will go 24-17 Giants. I do think I think I, I know that that Brian Dable is a first year head coach, but I think he outcoaches Matt Rule here. I, I think we saw last week. I could outcoach Matt Rule. Bingo. That's that's kind of what what's happening. I give me give me the Giants here. Twenty four seventeen. Okay, here we go. Next game on the list: the Seattle Seahawks at one and zero, taking this, taking on the zero and one San Francisco 49ers. The Niners open up this game as where it, where is the the thing? Oh, okay, here it is. Um, the Niners are eight and a half point favorites with an over under of forty one points in this game. Uh, although last week was a super sloppy game between the Niners and the Bears, what do you want to see from Trey Lance this week? Um, I just want to see him progress. I think I, I want to see a real game from him. I, I don't think it was really fair to judge him based on week one. We talked about it. That was just a slop fest in Chicago. Um, I think you're back at home against a team that you're supposed to be better than. Uh, obviously, you're a heavy favorite. I think Trey Lance just needs to play, and they need to get the running game involved. And hopefully, he has his weapons of George Kittle back. But I, I, this will be the first real game that I judge Trey Lance. I'm not going to judge him based on last week. I told you guys that uh, before. I will watch this game. I will judge him based on playing a division opponent who's supposed to be inferior to their team and see how he plays. I expect a lot of a heavy volume of a run game from him. I expect him to, to get carries in the, at the red zone at the, near the goal line, him and Debo Samuel. Um, and I do expect the 49ers to have some success on the ground uh, against the Seattle Seahawks team that is going to be coming off of a high. And I don't expect them to play as well as they did last week. Uh, I will be impressed if they do, but I don't expect them to. So I'm just looking for him to to show some of the things that we've seen in preseason games, some of the excitement around the building as, as far as arm talent and making throws and, 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 again, just progressing. I don't want them to be cautious with Trey Lance. I want them to say, this is your team. Go win games the way you win games, whether that's Lamar Jackson style or whether it's Patrick Mahomes style. Whatever, whatever it is that he sees fit, if it's on his arm or on his legs, let him be him and – and let him grow the right way and and not worry about, oh, my God, is he going to throw a pick? Oh, my God, is he going to? I do this. So, so I'm really looking for him to just play within himself. And, and I think the production will be there. Yeah, I 
I, I, I have high hope. Well, uh, I shouldn't say I have high hopes for Trey Lance. Um, I, I do hope he does good, um, but I want I want to see it happen. Uh, on the Seahawks side, they lose Jamal Adams now for the year. Uh, just can you tell us real quick who is next in line and who should we who we should be looking out for uh, as the next safety on this team that's going to be making plays? Maybe maybe it's someone that we already know. Maybe it's someone new. Who's next in line behind Jamal Adams as a big playmaker for this defense? You are on mute, sir. That's a terrible mistake by myself. No, um, obviously Quandre Diggs is there. So that's that's the guy you're looking to to step up because he's the veteran. He's been in that locker room. He's the one who signed the big deal. He's a really good safety. I believe they'll probably replace him with Josh Jones. Um, he may he may or may not be the guy that we need to step up, but I think it's those other guys that need to step up. Tariq Woolen played really well in week one. I think that's big for them. Josh Jones is, is a guy that's been in the league for, I believe, four or five years, maybe a little bit longer. So he does have some experience, but I'm not sure what kind of playmaking ability they're going to really expect from him. And I think that's going to be big. So I think those plays have to come from uh, Justin Coleman um, as in the nickel or uh, Mike Jackson or, or Tariq Will and some of those young corners that we're excited about that are bigger because they're very young in the secondary outside of a Quandre Diggs. Kobe Bryant did not look great um, in that week one um, game against Denver, but I think he can grow um, in that secondary. And let's be honest, the 49ers passing game is not the most potent in the world. Um, so I think they can survive a game like this, but you're going to need one of those guys to to make some, some sort of big play in, in a kind of an opportunistic moment uh, this week in order for them to, to have a chance against a better 49ers team. I want to see, I want to see good things from Kobe Bryant. That's who, that's a player that, uh, Jesus, are you serious? Absolute chaos in my apartment right now. Absolute (laughs) madness, chaos, water is down. There is just absolute mayhem. Uh, Will we see mayhem in this game? I don't know. Perfect segue. Let's get into some predictions. Uh, Aaron, where do you have, who do you have winning this game? Yeah, I got the Niners. Uh, I would love to see the Seahawks win. Trust me, I'm rooting for them. Uh, But I got the Niners in this one, and I will take the Niners 28 to 28-17. AJ has San Francisco winning 24-20. I will also go with the San Francisco 49ers. I will go 28 to 21 Niners. Next game on our list, it's the Cincinnati Bengals at 0-1 traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. The Saints are or the, the Bengals are seven-point favorites over the hometown Cowboys. Uh, the over-under for this game is 41 and a half points. We do get to see the battle between the two offensive and defensive rookies of the year in Micah Parsons uh, against Jamar Chase. Obviously, they don't go one-on-one against each other, but both are primed and ready to have big games in this one here. Which which player, which second-year player has the better game, Parsons or Chase? Oh, if you base it on last week, I'm going to go with Micah Parsons. Um, and the reason, and, and I'm, when I say base it on last week, I know Jamar Chase had a really good game last week, but the Dallas Cowboys defense wasn't terrible uh, against the pass. I thought they they played pretty pretty sound for the most part of that game. They they didn't give they gave up some yards, but they didn't give up a lot um, as far as like huge receiving numbers to any one player. Um, 
I believe there was only two people that went over 50 yards on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense or on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense in uh, Mike Evans and Julio Jones. Um, and Micah Parsons was able to get after Tom Brady against two of the better tackles in football when, when we're talking about um, Tristan Wirfs on one side and Donovan Smith on the other. He got two sacks. Now you're going up against the Cincinnati Bengals team that let the Pittsburgh Steelers really get after them. And you have Lyle Collins over there, who's the next Dallas Cowboy in a revenge game. Revenge game. Um, so I, I don't know. I think what one thing I saw from Dallas last week is early in the game, Micah Parsons was playing that traditional linebacker role. And then as the game progressed, then Tom Brady had time. They were like, you know what? We can't do this. We got to put Micah Parsons on that defensive line and tell him to go get the quarterback. And so they did. And I thought their defense was much more successful later in that game. It's just the offense never was able to get anything. Tampa Bay did. They scored the one touchdown in the third quarter and they didn't do anything really else the rest of the game. Uh, Dallas's offense just could never get anything going. So I think you see more of that. And, and I, I think that Micah Parsons ends up having a huge impact in this game. Not saying Dallas is going to win because of it, but I think they can hold Jamar Chase in check when it comes to not giving up, you know, 150 and two touchdowns or something like that. So um, I'll take Micah Parsons in this one. Uh, I, I think he's able to get after Joe Burrow and cause some, some chaos on an offensive line that still looks like they need some, some polishing off. Yeah, that that's that's really where I want to go next here with with the conversation is in the offseason, we saw the Bengals make some notable moves at the offensive line and bringing in Elio Collins. They, I believe they brought in it was Alex Kappa, right? That was the other offensive lineman that they brought in. Um, they made big additions to this offensive line. And last week we did not see a good performance out of that offensive line uh, to protect their franchise quarterback. Um, it was a mess of a game. It, it seemed like the same old Bengals from last year and they, they brought in new pieces. So it really doesn't make sense. Joe Burrow was on his back the majority of the game. I know it's week two now, but are we looking at maybe frauds at this point with what we thought the Bengals or had hoped the Bengals offensive line would look like because these numbers last week for Burrow, I mean, it's, this is the same, this is the same exact Bengals offensive line that we saw last year. And then, and, and now they have pieces like Leo Collins, uh, Alex, Cowley, a much better offensive line that we were all had high hopes for than this is how what's happened in weeks one. Just talk to that. Yeah, um, I don't know if you're going to say frauds, but let, let's be honest. I've said this, I don't know how many times over the course of the, of the offseason. I don't care how many names you bring in, quote, names you bring in. What do you do as a cohesive unit on the field? I, we, we, we do this all the time. Oh, they went and signed this guy. They traded for this guy. They got this guy. You didn't even mention the fact that they also not only got Alex Kappa, but they got Ted Karras as well at the center position. And that's cool. They can have all the good pieces they want. If you don't line up and play football, none of those things matter. You can go get the dream team, but you still have to actually have it turn into actual production. And I don't know if I'm calling them frauds because the offensive line takes cohesiveness. It takes chemistry and time. And usually the best offensive lines are ones that have been together for a long time. So can they get to the point they want to get to? Absolutely. But are they there yet? Did we just think they were just going to automatically flip a switch? These are good players. They're going to come in and block everybody, and it's going to be all peaches and cream for the Cincinnati Bengals? No, I did not. I did. I do expect a transition. I do expect them to get better week to week. 
but there is a serious concern with the amount of pressures they are allowing um, and allow the sacks and the hits on Joe Burrow has to be a concern for the Bengals. It has to be. If it's not a concern, then I don't know what the organization is thinking. You have. I don't want to say it, guys, but think about the NFL and what teams are doing. They're building around the pass rush. Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence are also really good pass rushers. And, I, you know, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that when you look at their schedule and who they're going to have to play, they are going to have pass rushers each and every week that they are going to have to deal with. So it doesn't get easier. It only gets harder. And if they don't fix the, the, the things they have going on right now, then they're in for a long season. And yes, they might be talented enough to overcome some of those things as they were in the playoffs late last year. But that over the course of the season will get Joe Burrow killed teams even like the jets like even the jets if you want to talk about some of the pass rushers they have the dolphins we've seen what they were able to do to mac jones baltimore the saints like where is the easy pass rushing matchup maybe atlanta because they don't really have a whole lot maybe carolina but even even i don't know about carolina even them they have some guys on the defense but not necessarily pass rushers but outside of that all those other teams have really good pass rushes you're going to be dealing with it all season long. So you got to fix it. If you don't fix it, they're in for a long season. And I'm not here to jump on the Bengals and say their season's over after one week. But you can't be a Bengals fan and not be concerned today. The, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat you the way they did, and they were not supposed to be that good of a team this year with Mitchell. Well, it, it, it's it's not even it, – it's like – I you yeah, look at that, the, the, the week one, how they performed against Pittsburgh. But like – you're we've talked about it before you look at what buffalo's doing you look at what kansas city's doing you're you're not even close you're not even close right now maybe that changes during the season but after week one you are far far away from what buffalo and kansas city are doing right now again lots of football still to be played i do have the Bengals in this game uh i'm gonna go 27 to 27-17 Bengals. I think there's still the offense on the Dallas Cowboys side is still a concern with Cooper Rush being quarterback. Um, but maybe we get a Minnesota game. Maybe maybe we get a Cooper Rush versus Minnesota and he, he pops off. But I don't think that's going to happen here. Uh, give me the Bengals here, 27-17. to 17. Um, I'm taking the Bengals as well. If the Bengals lose this game. Sound the I panic call. alarm. Sound of panic. I, I, I might not even hold back, and I don't even care. I might not even believe what I'm going to say on Monday, but if the Bengals lose this game, I'm so going in on Bengals, on the Bengals and the Bengals fans. Uh, I don't care that it's early in the season. I, I will sound the alarm. I will go in on the Bengals because they should not lose this game. You cannot start 0-2 in the AFC. You cannot start 0-2 by losing to a Pittsburgh and Dallas team that probably weren't in line to make the playoffs. Um, well, now Dallas, especially without Dak Prescott. Um you just you just can't. I will take the Bengals in this one, twenty three to thirteen. There you go. Uh, AJ has the Bengals here as well, thirty three to twenty. Our next there's no game. Way the, on, there's no way the Bengals scored thirty three points on the Dallas defense. That's what I was thinking. That's why I didn't want to go. I, I went twenty seven and thought that was a little aggressive, but I digress. Um, Bengals, a couple pick six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, that would that would that would be the the only way I think. Um, next game on our list, it is the Chicago Bears 
and the Green Bay Packers on Monday night football. The Green Bay Packers are 10 point favorites over what? Sunday night football. Sunday night. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, Sunday night football game between the Bears and the Packers. The Packers are 10 point favorites over the Bears with an over under of 41 and a half points. Uh, the Packers have won 11 straight following a loss, and they lost last week to the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers also, I don't know if you guys have heard this. Someone told me long ago that Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, and especially on Monday Night Football with these stats here. But this game isn't about Aaron Rodgers. This is not about Aaron Rodgers. This is about Aaron Rodgers' weapons in this game and the wide receivers and the connection. That what? What are you shaking your head at? What are you shaking your head at? Nothing. Go finish your thought. I don't. I don't appreciate you shaking. Finish don't interrupt thought. me. Don't interrupt. I didn't. Me. I didn't say anything. You interrupted yourself. Finish your thought. I'm reading this comments game, and stuff. This game is more about the wide receivers for the Green Bay Packers and the connection with Aaron Rodgers. And that's where I want to start. What do you expect to see from those pass catchers uh, from the Green Bay Packers? I expect them to play football. Yeah, um, well, great. They, I, they, I expect everyone. You're, you're, I expect every wrong. NFL team. I expect you're every wrong. NFL team to come out and play football, Aaron. Yes, every you're team wrong. on Sunday should be coming out and playing football, except maybe the Tennessee Titans. I digress. You're wrong. This game okay. is all about Aaron Rodgers. Every game is all about Aaron Rodgers. This is. We got to stop with the weapons. He has weapons. He has players on his team. Like we got to Why does Aaron Rodgers not get the same treatment that Patrick Mahomes gets or that Josh Allen gets or that any of these other quarterbacks that have to make players better that Tom Brady did for years? Aaron Rodgers has got to make his wide receivers better. Alan Lazard should be back. Christian Watson is now another weekend. He didn't play in, the, in preseason training camp. Romeo Dobbs played well towards the end of that game. It's Aaron Rodgers' responsibility and job to get those guys, elevate them to the next level to play. I, I'm, a, I'm probably one of the biggest Aaron Rodgers fans. I've said that he's arguably the second most talented quarterback ever now that Patrick Mahomes is in the league. Maybe Josh Allen is passing him, just, you know, just being honest. But – I love Aaron Rodgers. I love his game. I think he's the smartest quarterback in football. He's super talented. But there's one thing he does not have is he doesn't get – we give him excuses. We've given him excuses for years about not having other weapons other than Devontae Adams. Like, you have the best receiver in football. Why do you need more? Like, go and make other players better. Elevate your team. And so I'm not looking at, oh, what are the receivers going to do to develop a con- – no. What is Aaron Rodgers going to do to elevate these players to the next level? It is on him. It is his responsibility. It's only one person that can do this, and it's Aaron Rodgers. Nobody else matters. I don't care if it's Christian Watson. I don't care if it's uh, Amari Rodgers. I don't care if it's Romeo Dobbs. I don't care if it's Alan Lazard. Find somebody. You need to find somebody that you can elevate to, to be better. You have veterans there. Sammy Watkins is there. Randall Cobb is there. I don't want to hear that he doesn't have weapons and that he doesn't have the necessary pieces. He has two great running backs, a good offensive line, which obviously has been banged up, and a really good defense. Aaron Rodgers should be winning games, and I think he's going to. I have They're my Super Bowl pick. I haven't wavered from that because I think he's going to. I think we're just reacting to a one week one loss where there was some disconnect between him and his receivers, and they didn't play in preseason together. I'm not panicking. It's, it's the same thing that happened last year. 
Aaron Rodgers struggled in week one. They got blown out and they were in the NFC championship game or one play away from the NFC championship game. Like I expect the same Aaron Rodgers that I've seen for the past, however long he's been in the league, he will be great. He will find a way to work with what he has. He will elevate those guys to whatever they need to be in order for them to win games. And I'm not going to react to one week, one loss and try to start pinpointing which receivers need to step up and who needs to do Aaron Rodgers is the answer. Aaron Rodgers is the answer for the Green Bay Packers and has been since 2005. I've been a little, I, I, I will, I won't be, I won't lie to the people. You know how emotional I get after that loss last week. I was feeling a little emotional about my pick of the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl because I also had them uh, in the Super Bowl. I have them against the bills. Um, Packers here. Yeah. Yeah. Easily Packers here. Uh, 35 to 17 Packers. Yeah. I have Green Bay in this one as well. I have them winning pretty handily. I have them 31 13. Um, I think their defense is really good. I, despite Minnesota is Minnesota's offense is really good. They've always been really good. If their defense plays like that. They're going to be a tough team, but um, they still held them to 23 points. I believe it was. Yep. I think Green Bay wins 31 to 13. AJ has the Packers in this one as well. 28 to 14. The final game on our list. It's the Monday night football game. The second of the doubleheader on Monday night. It's between the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles, both these teams, one and oh, the Eagles are two point favorites over the Vikings here with an over under of 50 and a half points. Uh, last week, we saw the Minnesota Vikings play the Packers and play very, very well. The offense was very strong. Uh, they had, I mean, you just talked about how good the, you think the Packers defense is and the Minnesota Vikings were able to come out there and, and do some real damage. Um, do you think this Vikings offense is legit, legit, like up there with the top dogs of the offenses in the league? I think they're the exact same they have been for the past. <laughs> for the past. I've said this before. I don't think they're any better. I think they're they're running different personnel, but they're not really any better. Uh, and it's funny because Dalvin still Dalvin Cook still got twenty carries. Kirk Cousins threw the ball thirty times. It's a standard ass game. Like we 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 wanted we were looking so heavily. Oh, they're going to throw the ball forty five times and they're going to spread it. No, it's just a different offense. It's just three wide receiver sets instead of the old you know two wide receiver or two tight end sets. It's it's eleven personnel instead of you know twelve personnel. Like it's. For those that don't know, it just means one tight end, one running back versus having a fullback in there or a tight end and an extra tight end in there. It's a different offense, but it's always been a good offense. Yeah, Yes, Kevin O'Connell might get more out of Justin Jefferson because he's moving him around like Cooper Cup. That's great for Justin Jefferson, but they also had Adam Thielen who didn't do anything and nobody else in the receiving game did anything. So that, and that's more of like what the Rams look like. Week one, right? Of, of just yeah. Cooper Cup. So I don't want to say this is, is going to be some dynamic, explosive, crazy ass offense. As I stated in the offseason, it's just different. So yeah, uh, and yeah, of course Justin Jefferson likes it because it's everything's geared to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. Oh man! So of course he's hyping it all up. Yeah, this is the best offense ever. And yeah, because you're getting the ball. Let's be honest. You're a wide receiver. You're getting the ball. So I, I'm not going crazy over the Vikings offense just yet. What I am going crazy over is that defense, the defense that, that held Aaron Rodgers to what they did, that, that looked really, really good, that now when you start to look at some of those pieces, like a Jordan Hicks and a Patrick Peterson, you say, eh, maybe these guys do still have something left, Daniil Hunter there. Maybe they can get back to a, a, 
a defensive output, which is good enough to keep them in the playoff contention and maybe even win that division. So uh, I think that's where I'm more impressed by and more rethinking where Minnesota is at is based on their defense. Because I did say at the beginning of the season, this could be a surprise team if their defense plays to a certain level. They have to play to a certain level. I think in this game between these two teams, it's it's two teams that we have been critical of that cri- critical, yeah. harsh, Crit- critical. It's critical, critical the right word here. Uh, we have been very critical of their defenses for both these teams. We have been saying that we, you want to see what Minnesota's defense can. We know what their offense is. Same thing on for Philly's side. We know what this offense is. You bring in AJ Brown and you bring in one of the best wide receivers in the game. Like we know what this offense can be. It's the defenses that have to come in and show up and show out for these teams. Like it, it, it's that simple. And if the, if the defense can show out, you get a performance like you did last week from Minnesota against the green Bay Packers. If they don't show out, you get a performance like last week, like the Philadelphia Eagles had against the Detroit lions. Like that's like the tale of, of what it could be. Um, which defense do you think gets the big stops here? If you had to pick one. It's not even the defense. I don't trust either defense. I'll be honest. Yeah. I still don't trust Minnesota's defense, and I damn sure don't trust Philly's defense. But I think Minnesota's offense is better than Philly's offense. From a from a talent perspective, I think they are more talented, um, and I trust Kirk Cousins a little bit more than I trust Jalen Hurts. Just from a veteran accuracy perspective, um, I, I trust Minnesota's do offense you, too. Do you trust two and nine on Monday Night Football, Kirk Cousins? I don't care. Okay. There you go. There's like, I, I get the whole Kirk Cousins primetime game thing, but primetime games to me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there has to be a level of importance. And a primetime game week two of Monday Night Football, maybe he's had some unfortunate luck and hasn't won those games. I don't really buy into that aspect of it. Primetime to me is like Monday Night Football week 12, you're trying to go fight for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, Sunday Night Football week 13, week 14, playoff games. Um, that's more of what I care about. I do understand his track record on, on Monday night football is not good, but I don't think he's feeling that in week two of the, of the NFL season. Fair enough. Uh, it is, I would be doing a disservice to all of you. If I did not mention the fact that this is a <laughs> for Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager faces his former team. Uh, in the <laughs> I just had to do it. Uh, prediction time. AJ has the Minnesota Vikings 31 to 28. I have the Philadelphia. Oh, I'll take the. Oh God! I'll, I'll take the Philadelphia Eagles here, thirty-three to twenty-eight. Philadelphia. I'll take Minnesota, thirty-five, thirty-one. Okay, damn it! All right, well there you have it. That is our final game of our week two slate. Uh, we have done it. All the games have been previewed. All the games will be recapped on Monday. If you missed any of our previews, they will be available for you guys on YouTube at the Sac City Pod. And be sure to hit that subscribe button. And when you're done doing that, head on over to all of our social media platforms at the Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the Tickety Talk. We've got the best content all up and down the interwebs. And again, be sure to subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show. Comment, 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 and share, share, share. We'll be back again on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube for another Pigskins and Pancakes, uh, our fantasy football show, where we give you guys rankings, our start sits, our DFS plays. We got it all on Sunday mornings. It is the place to be at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, But 
that does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. For my best friend Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you Sunday. Peace out. Sack City. Thanks for following wherever you download your podcast. You want to see what this city has to offer? Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button for the best NFL content on the interwebs. Sack City, baby!